This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The Lone Ranger is a fictional masked former Texas Ranger who fought outlaws in the American Old West alongside his Native American friend Tonto. The character has been called an enduring icon of American culture. He first appeared in 1933 in a radio show on WXYZ Detroit, conceived either by station owner George W. Trendle or by Fran Stryker, the show's writer. The radio series proved to be a hit and spawned a series of books an equally popular television show that ran from 49 to 57, comic books, and several movies, too. The title character was played on the radio show by Earl Grazer for some 13,000 episodes. Now, I best remember the television show where Clayton Moore portrayed the Lone Ranger, although during a contract dispute, Moore was replaced for a season by John Hart, who wore a different style mask. And on the radio, Tonto was played by, among others, John Todd and Roland Parker. And in the television series, by Jay Silverheels, who we proudly remember as a Mohawk from the Six Nations Indian Reserve right here in Ontario. Tonight, we hear the episode entitled, Quicksand Tells the Tale. horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger.
With his faithful Indian companion, Tonto, the masked rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. The stories of his strength and courage, his daring and resourcefulness have come down to us through the generations, and nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver! There's danger along the Rio Grande! Oh, Silver! Away! In the simmering heat of a summer day, two horsemen rode along a lonely trail in the back country north of the Rio Grande. Spirals of dust shot from beneath their horses' hoofs and hung in the still hot air. Beneath the brims of their sombreros, their eyes were narrow, their features hard, ruthless, the unmistakable faces of outlaws. Well, we'd better be moving out of these parts, Vince. This country's getting a mite too civilized. Never satisfied, are you, Lucky? Yeah, it ain't just me. The rest of the boys are getting restless, too. I'm still the boss, Lucky. When it's time to push on, I'll decide when and where it'll be. Sure, Vince. But you gotta admit that rustling ain't safe no more. It's too risky getting rid of the cattle afterwards. I'm not figuring on rustling. They're gonna open a new stagecoach line from Elbow Bend to Colby next week. What about it? They'll be freaking gold. No stage stick-ups from me, Vince. This country's too open. Ain't no cover in it anywhere. Getting scared, Lucky? Not scared, Vince. Just... Say, ain't that a creek we're coming to? Yeah. You sure that sand crossing it's a ford? Uh, it must be. Well, you don't sound too convincing. I'm gonna try it out. You're worse than an old woman, Lucky. What are you afraid of, quicksand? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, there. Easy, fella. Easy. Oh. I'm gonna try it out with a rock. There's a heavy one. Be careful you don't fall in. Just like I thought. What? Quicksand. That sand swallowed that rock like it was starving. Yeah? How wide would you say that creek was? About 60 feet. Why? Too wide for a stage to cross that sand to the other side? Sure. Stage couldn't get more than halfway. Yeah. Well, sure be nice getting our hands on some gold again, won't it, Lucky? What do you mean? The stage is going to take this road. You're loco, Vince. The stage will take the main trail straight through to Colby. No, it won't. Not after we switch the signpost at the crossing. Switch the... The elbow bender Colby runs a new route for the stage company, Lucky. The drivers will be detained on the signpost to direct them. Especially at night. Yeah, that's right. It's on the night stage that they'll be freighting the gold. You mean... I'm thinking we can make mighty handy use of that quicksand, Lucky. You sure got a head between them shoulders, Vince. <laughs> Wait till the boys hear about this. That's right. We gotta be ready for the first stage to Colby. Get it up in. Get it up. border town of Elbow Bend. It was a week later, and there was a bustle of activity before the express office. The night stage was being prepared for its first run to Colby. And from the shadow of a building nearby, a tall man who wore a white hat and a black mask watched the proceedings with his Indian companion. That's Jim Lane now, Tonto. Ah, him drive stage. Oh, oh, hold on there. 
All right, Lucky. You can hitch this team to the stage now. Coming, Jim. Jim Lane, not outlaw now. He never was an outlaw, Toto. He just fell in with the wrong crowd. When we helped him out of that scrape in Mexico, he promised to break with that gang. I knew he'd keep his word. Ah, him good man now. He's coming this way. Give us a chance to compliment him on his new job. Ah. Hello, Jim. The mask man. Well, this is a surprise. You remember Tonto. Sure, how could I forget either of you? After what you did for me? How are you, Tonto? <laughs> Tonto, fine. Well, I, I kept my promise. I even got a job driving that stage. I know, Jim. Congratulations. Thanks. Say, am I indebted to you for this job, too? What do you mean? Well, when I asked to drive the stage, they cold-shouldered me. And then one day, the marshal stopped me on the street and questioned me. A few minutes later, he took me to the express office, and the job was mine. That's fine, Jim. Have you been in town since I got here? Yes, Jim. I wanted you to have your chance. Just as I thought. Oh, how can I ever thank you? By doing your job as well as you can, Jim. You can rest easy about that, partner. I'm going to be the best stage driver the company has. Besides, I... <laughs> I've got another reason for wanting to make good. You see that girl stepping into the stage? Yes. That's Barbara Wilkins. We're going to be married next week. Congratulations again. She lives in Colby. She's been over here visiting. The horses are all hitched, Jim. We better get moving. That man's face seems familiar. Who is he? Lucky Peters. He's the guard for the gold. You're carrying gold, huh? Hey, Jim! Come on! Well, goodbye, you two. Good luck, Jim. How and I may see you in Colby. Come on, Silver. Get him up. Come. Ah, oh, great pair, them two. Hello, Barbara. Better tuck that robe around your knees. It'll get cold when we hit the trail. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Hey, give me a hand to the driver's seat, Lucky. Yeah, here you are. Yeah, the gold stowed away? Yeah. Come on, you cayuses. We're heading for Colby. Get up there. Clouds hovered in the heavens when an hour later, Vince Collins and his gang rode up at the quicksand ford at Elbow Creek. Oh, 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 oh. All right, boys. Wait here till we see the stage. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Luke? You're lucky getting the job as guard of the gold on the stage. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of funny. Nothing can go wrong now, boss. We switched the signpost and the stage is a sense to take this trail instead of the right one. Yeah. Now remember, Luke, when the stage hits the creek, you take a couple of the boys and ride down there. Get the girl out and take her to Colby, then report to the sheriff. I got you, Vince. After we leave, you and the rest of the boys will unload the gold, cut the horses loose, and drive the stage into the quicksand, right? That's it. It'll sink without a trace. The express company will figure the gold went down with it. Hey, boss, the stage is coming. Get your horses out of sight over that hill, men. Luke, you and your boys stay here. Mind no slip-ups. There won't be any, Vince. Treat that girl passenger general. We want her to think you're trying to help her. I understand, boss. All right, boys, get them up. Get them up. Sure this is the right road, Lucky? Sure, Jim. I know this country like a plug. Well, don't look familiar to me. I'm pulling up. Don't be a fool, Jim. You want to be late on your first run? We're doing Colby in an hour. We'll never get there on this trail. You must have taken the wrong turn back at the fort. Uh, the sign pointed this way. Well, maybe somebody twisted it. I'm going to pull up. Hey, there's Elbow Creek up ahead. That proves we're right. That proves we're wrong. 
There ain't any creek on the new stage route. Whoa. Hey, give me those reins. Yeah, take your hands off. I'm driving this. Hand thing. them over quick. You'll get a slug from the shooting iron. What? Hey, what's the idea? I'll show you. Why, you low-down, double-crossing coyote. That'll teach you not to argue with a gun. Pull, pull there. Pull, hold up there. Steady now. Pull. Pull. What's happened? Why are we stopping? The bridge over the creek is down, ma'am. You can't go through, driver. That bridge is down. What happened? I don't know. The last big storm we had was to wash it away. Oh. Make that a ford across the creek? I wouldn't advise crossing that, mister. That's quicksand. Got any passengers inside? Well, just one, a girl. Mind giving her a lift to town? Of course not. Boys, help the young lady out. Everything's set, Lucky. Good. What about the driver? Yeah, he's out, but he'll be all right. Thank you, boys. Want me to hoist him up when your car use? No. Vince and the boys will take care of him. They'll be here as soon as we leave with the girl. Jim! Jim, where are you? Well, you better keep an eye on the girl. She may cause trouble. I know what to do. Jim! He can't come now, ma'am. He's busy taking charge of the stage. But, but he and the guard were fighting. I thought I heard a groan. Well, it must have been your imagination, ma'am. Jim's all right. Boys and me are taking you to cold. <laughs> <laughs> Following the new stage route, sometime after Jim Lane had set forth on his first run, the Lone Ranger and Tonto rode at an easy pace toward Colby. Suddenly, the masked man reined in his great white stallion. Who's got home, fella? Why we stop here? That sign, Tonto. Arrow points along the other road. Oh, that sign not right. That trail goes south. Yes, I know. I'm afraid Jim may have taken it with the stage. You better investigate. Come on, Silver. Get him up, Scout. This road go to Elko Creek. Plenty bad quicksand. No bridge. With this moon, we'll be able to see the creek from the top of the next rise. Uh-huh. A feeling I've seen the guard of that stage before. Him may be outlaw. Steel gold. Perhaps, Toto. If he is, he may be working with a partner who switched the sign. Uh-huh. There's the stage now. Whoa, Silver. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Many men there. What them do? Some of them seem to be unloading the gold. They may be outlaw, huh? look. Two of the men are unharnessing the horses. Watch. They're driving them away. Why them do that? I don't... Yes. There's a reason. The gang is pushing the stage into the quicksand. Ah. They're trying to conceal all traces of the stage. Kimasabi, you look there. What is it, Tonto? That fellow drives stage. Jim Lane. Ah. He's a prisoner. See? Look. They've tied his hands. That's right. Now the gang's leaving, heading south. Come on, Silver. Get him up, Scout. Stage is sinking, Tonto. Quicksand swallow stage plenty fast. We can't let it. We've got to get that stage out. Faster, Silver. Faster, boy. Easy, Silver. First, we'll make sure the gold was stolen. He climbed free. That's a good idea. Now, you can climb on that limb and crawl out over the stage. Here, wait a minute. I'll give you a hand up. Now, look for the gold in the baggage compartment. The box with the lid open. Tonto's happy. Can you see it yet? Box empty. That's all we need to know. Come on back, Tonto. We've got to get that stage out of the quicksand to prove the theft. Sinking deeper every minute. Uh, uh, what we do? We'll use Silver, Tonto. A scout to help him, we can pull that stage out. Uh, uh, here's my rope. Uh, spinning his lariat, the Lone Ranger skillfully looped a rack jutting from the rear of the stage. He threw a hitch about the pommel of Silver's saddle. 
Another rope was tied to Scout's saddle. Then he gave the signal. Come on, Silver. You can do it. Pull, Scout. Pull. The powerful white stallion and the sturdy paint threw all of their great strength into the task. Quicksand that was sucking the stage into its mire began to yield. They're doing a tunnel. The stage is pulling free. Uh, good boy, Silver. Many good scout. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger story. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. story. Riding into Colby with Barbara, the outlaws led by Duke headed for the sheriff's home. Oh, oh, oh my, oh my. Be back in a minute, ma'am. Just want to report what's happened to the stage to the sheriff. Well, nothing's happened to it. It just can't get through. It's freight and gold, ma'am. There may be outlaws on the prowl. Outlaws? Then Jim may be in danger. I'll go with you. Oh, you wait here, ma'am. I'll take care of everything. Luke Davis, Sheriff. I got news for you. Who are you? Uh, just a cowpuncher, Sheriff. You mind if we talk inside? Uh, what's on your mind, mister? I want to report a robbery, Sheriff. What's that? That's what it appeared to be, to the boys and me, anyways. We was riding along Elbow Creek when we saw the stage from Elbow Bend stand by the side of the road. Elbow Creek? What was the stage doing down there? I don't know, Sheriff. Maybe the drive and the guard had a plan to steal the gold they was freighting. What makes you think that? Well... When the boys and me rode up to see what the trouble was, they both pulled guns on us, told us to give the passenger a lift to town and keep our mouths shut. I see. We did like we was told. But when we topped a rise, I looked back and they were driving the stage into the creek. Trying to afford it, eh? Maybe. I heard the guard call the driver Jim. I figured... Yeah, Jim Lane. I told the express coming it was a mistake, hiring a reformed outlaw for the stage. Well, he won't get far. I'll have a posse on his heels so quick it'll make his head spin. At the outlaws' camp, Vince, Lucky, and their gang were celebrating the success of their venture. Jim, bound and gagged, lay on the ground near the fire. How many of you boys still feel like moving on? Well, not me, Vince. That goal looks too good. <laughs> that ends your beef, Lucky? Yeah, I still say we ought to head for the border. We'll wait for Luke. Maybe you'll have news that'll change your mind. Luke's coming now, boss. Oh, horse. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, there. Everything go off all right with the sheriff, Luke? Everything went fine, Vince. The sheriff rounded up a posse and rode to Elbow Creek. The stage had sunk into the quicksand just like we figured. There wasn't even a scrap of evidence. You mean you, you couldn't even see the stage underwater? Not a trace. Funny if you could down so fast. What'd you say about the driver, Luke? Well, I told the sheriff Jim had driven me and the boys away with the gun and then drove the stage into the creek. That convinced him Jim was reverting to his own crooked habits. Some smart sheriff. He figures Jim mired the stage in the quicksand while attempting to get away with the gold. And that when the gold disappeared along with the stage and horses into the sand, Jim vamoosed. That's what we want him to think, eh, huh, Luke? Yeah. 
The sheriff will spend all his time hunting Jim. And Jim's not going to see Colby for a long, long time. We've got nothing to worry about, boys. Maybe we can even get our hands on some more of that gold. Why, what do you mean, Vince? There's another stage coming from Elbow Bend tomorrow night. You ain't thinking of pulling that signpost trick again. Maybe. But the driver won't fall for that wrong road a second time. He'll know about it. I got a different angle for this holdup. Suppose we stop the stage at the crossroads. Yeah. We make prisoners of the driver and guard, same as we did you and Jim. Then we drive the stage into the quicksand at the creek, first unloading the gold. Presto, the coach disappears and there's no evidence, nothing. Well, what's the sheriff going to think if it happens again? He's going to go hunting for Jim here. <laughs> but he's never going to find him. And the sooner we get rid of that, hombre, the better it'll be for us, Vince. Not yet, Luke. Jim's going to do a job for us first. Just in case somebody spots his waylay in the stage, Jim's going to be real prominent in front. And he won't be wearing a mask. <laughs> Early the next day, Barbara Wilkins called on the sheriff in his office. Her eyes flashed and her chin jutted forward in determination. Well, Barbara, this is a surprise. Sheriff, I hear you suspect Jim of trying to steal the gold from the stage. That's right, Barbara. Jim's innocent. I... He wouldn't do such a thing. Jim's been an outlaw before, Barbara. I reckon riding in the same coach with gold tempted him back to his old habits. That's not true. I'm telling you, Barbara. Jim landed the stage in quicksand trying to make his getaway. And vermoosed when he couldn't budge neither the coach nor the gold. I don't believe it. Jim's not that sort. He... Well, we were going to be married. Well, I'm sorry, Barbara. Take my advice and forget Jim. He ain't worth the trouble. Senor, senor sheriff. The stagecoach come down the road. Stagecoach? The day coach ain't due from Elbow Bend till this afternoon. It's night coach, sheriff. It's one that gets stuck in the quicksand. How in thunder. You, you coming, Barbara? I want to gander at that stage. I'm coming, sheriff. There she comes. Two men on the box. What? One of those men's an engine. And the other's mask. Get ready to cover him, man. Don't shoot, Sheriff. The masked man's reining up. He's going to stop. I ain't taking any chances, Barbara. Halt! Pull up them horses in the name of the law. Pull up your gun, Sheriff. Stand where you are. Turning this stage over to you as evidence. You'll find that the baggage compartment has been broken open. Strange, he's right, Sheriff. He's nothing here. Then the gold was stolen. What have you done with it, stranger? The gold was stolen by outlaws, Sheriff. You're right, stranger. You and Jim Lane. You're on the wrong trail. Neither I nor Lane had anything to do with taking the gold. In fact, Jim Lane is being held captive by the gang. Jim a prisoner? <laughs> Who'd believe that? If Jim Lane is with the gang, he's more than likely one of them. That's not true. If I were an outlaw, Sheriff, why should I drive the stage here? We'll find out about that when the time comes. Meanwhile, I'm locking you up. Oh, whoa there, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's the marshal from Elbow Pit. What's going on here? You're just in time, Marshal. This here's one of them outlaws that robbed the stage last night. You're making a mistake, Sheriff. He just rode up in that coach, and the gold's been broken out of the baggage compartment. Sorry, Sheriff. That gold was the property of the United States government, and the government's taking charge of this case right now. Release that man. I hope you know what you're doing, Marshal. I do, Sheriff. I've already talked with your prisoner. What do you mean? Just this. Instead of locking up the masked man, you're taking orders from him.
night, the Lone Ranger, once more astride the fiery silver, rode at the head of the sheriff's posse. Now, ain't it time you told us where we're heading, stranger? Crossroads, Sheriff. That's where the outlaws plan to waylay the stage. Just point them out and I'll do the rest. I've uh, told your men that we're just watching the holdup. You told them what? It'll be time enough to attack later when we've gotten the evidence. Besides, you've got to find out where they're hiding that first shipment of gold. Won't be carrying it with them. Faster, Rex! Barbara, what in tarnation brings you here? Just in danger, Sheriff, and I want to help. This ain't no place for a petticoat. Now skedaddle. I'm not leaving until we found Jim. Get in your horses, men. We can watch the hold up from this hill. Oh, Silver. Oh, 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 oh. There's the gang hiding in that ravine. Yes. With this full moon, we can see them plainly. They're the outlaws, all right. They're all masked. One in front, isn't it? Listen. Isn't that the stage rounding the bend? Yeah. There she comes. The outlaws have spotted it, too. Heading straight for ambush. That isn't a new stage. It was marred in the quicksand. No, Marshal. Oh, I understood your Indian friend drove it back to Elbow Bend so it could make the night run. I had a better idea, Marshal. Say, that's Jim Lane in front of them outlaws. Oh, no, it can't be. Yes, it is, Jim, Sheriff. But he's not an outlaw. My eyes tell me he is, stranger. All right, boys. Not time to attack yet, Sheriff. What are we waiting for? They're tying up the driver and the guard, ain't they? And unloading the gold. You can't accuse an innocent man, Sheriff. Jim Lane is the outlaw's prisoner. See? The man standing behind Jim is holding a gun on him. It's true. Look. They're driving the stage down the trail toward the creek. And Jim Lane's holding the reins. I've seen enough. Tell your men to follow me, Sheriff. Where to? We can't let them outlaws get away. Hurry, Sheriff. Every minute counts. Come on, Silver. All right, men. Follow the mass man. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. with the stage, Jim. You double-crossing polecat. <laughs> Easy, son. One thing's sure. I ain't driving these horses to that quicksand. Well, you'd better if you know what's good for you. You don't frighten me. I heard you talking last night. You're figuring I'm murdering me after this job and hightailing it from Mexico. Oh, rain up there. Oh, oh boy, steady. Oh, okay. What are you slowing up for? Keep him covered, Fence. I'm taking the reins. Oh. Get up there, you ordinary critters. Get up there. I'm riding along the trail with you, Lucky. I'll keep the kid in my gun sight. What's that on the trail up ahead at the creek? Looks like a wagon. It's my new stage. Somebody must have pulled it out. Pull up, Lucky. No, I can't. The brakes won't hold. You crash. Swing over to the side. There ain't room. There's a ditch alongside. Wait in your horses. The horses are out of control. I'm going to jump. Luke, take care of Jim. He's getting away. Wait the boss. Saddle him on your cayuse and head for camp. See you there, Vince. You all right, Lucky? My leg. Feels like it's broken. I'll give you a lift up my horse. Easy there now. Easy. Oh, there. Now we'll have a look at it back at camp. Make tracks for the hideout, boys. Where would you, Marsh? All right, come on. The sheriff must have wasted that stage, Vince. And if he did, he may have followed our trail to the camp. I should have listened to you in the first place, Lucky. We'll hustle back to the hideout for the gold and hightail it for Mexico Prado. Come on. Get up. Easy, horse. Get up there. Get up. Is the camp, Lucky? We better have a look at that gold right away. Yeah. Well, up there. What do you want done with Jim, Vince? Forget him for a minute. Couple of you boys, start digging up that gold. All right. 
It ain't been touched, boss. If anybody had taken it, they wouldn't have bothered to fill up the hole. Stop arguing. Help with that digging. Just as you say, boss. Where's that shooting coming from? The woods. That came from the south. They got you cornered, Vince. You rode into a trap. Put on your guns. You're surrounded. Come and get us. All right, men. Close it on them. Your ghost is cooked, Vince. I know that voice. You tongue-wagging coyote. At least they won't take you alive. Who's oh, for the mess, man? We got to throw in, Vince. There are too many for it. It ain't that, you fool. You just can't see him to shoot at him. But I ain't giving up, Archer. Another hit for the mess, man. Come on and get him. They're all reaching for the sky. There are your prisoners, Sheriff. The gold is buried under that tree where they started to dig. Yeah. Say, you're all right, stranger. Wouldn't have located him if it hadn't been for you. Tunnel deserves a credit, Marshal. He drove Jim's stage to Elbow Creek for the outlaws to find. If it hadn't been for you, I'd be six feet under. We couldn't have acted sooner, Jim, or the sheriff would have arrested you for an outlaw. But you're clear now. And when you get back to Elbow Bend, don't be surprised to find not only your job waiting, but a raise. A raise? Call it a wedding present, Jim. Jim! Oh, Jim, you're safe. You're darn tootin' I am, honey, and guess what? Oh, tell me we work to do. Get him up. Oh, the masked man, he's riding away. Oh, and just as I was going to invite him to our wedding. just heard is a copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated. Stay tuned for Burns and Allen next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for George Burns and Gracie Allen. It's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. With yours truly, Bill Goodwin, and the music of Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. For deep down laughs and listening enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for deep down coffee drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House. With extra flavor in the blend because of choice Latin American coffees skillfully combined. Extra flavor in the cup because Radiant Roast develops the full flavor of every coffee bean. And the result is that today more people buy Maxwell House 
than any other brand of coffee in the world. You know, folks, the George Burnses are so happily married that a newspaper has chosen them for the finals in its search to pick Hollywood's happiest Mr. and Mrs. We find Gracie now talking to a woman from the newspaper. And so, Mrs. Burns, our search for Hollywood's ideal husband and wife has narrowed down to you and one other couple. Well, this is a wonderful surprise, Miss Ettinger. But really, George and I aren't so much. We're just plain, ordinary, everyday, delightful people. (laughs) Well, Mrs. Burns, since you're so happily married, perhaps you'll have some advice to pass along to young girls in the matter of choosing the right husband. Yes, I have. When I was very young, I made up my mind that I would find the perfect man. Man with personality, looks, brains, talent, and charm. I searched for three years before I finally married George Burns. Then your advice to young girls would be... Do just what I did. Give up the hopeless search and marry the man you love. <laughs> and uh, what is your recipe for staying happily married? Well, personally, I try to observe the mistakes that other wives make and avoid making those mistakes myself. What kind of mistakes? Oh, now, for example, I've seen women ask their husbands for $10 to pay an installment on the radio and then take that money and buy a hat with it. How true. Well, if my husband gives me $10 to pay a radio installment, I pay the radio installment. If I need a hat, I use the rent money. (laughs) I see. I can get a much better hat that way. I understand how using the rent money gets you a better hat. But does that make your husband happy? Oh, yes, he loves to move. (laughs) Well, Mrs. Burns, isn't it difficult to maintain a career and a home at the same time? I mean, isn't it drudgery to come home from the studio and have to cook dinner? Miss Ettinger, if you were cooking for the one you love, would you call it drudgery? (laughs) No, I guess I wouldn't. Well, neither does George. (laughs) You mean your husband does the cooking? Oh, now, please don't get the idea that George cooks all the meals. He doesn't. Oh, I see. Twice a week we eat out. I must confess that your methods for maintaining a happy marriage are a little unorthodox. However, if you can prove to me that you and your husband are happier than the Galens, you'll win the contest. The Galens? They're the other couple in the finals. I'm on my way to observe their home life now. At one o'clock, I shall return to observe you and Mr. Burns. Well, I'm sure you'll find us the happiest couple in Hollywood. Why, the minute we wake up in the morning, we have a good hearty laugh. What do you laugh about? Oh, I laugh at my husband's long, woolly underwear. (laughs) Why does he laugh? Oh, it tickles him, too. (laughs) Well, goodbye, Mrs. Burns. I shall see you at one. Goodbye, Miss Attinger. Oh, George, George! Oh, wait a minute. I'd better not tell George about this. If he knows the woman is watching us, he'll be self-conscious and won't crack a smile. Did you call me, dear? Oh, well, uh, yes, darling. Um, dear, would you say that we're happily married? Of course we are. We've been happily married for 11 years. Oh, 11 years. It's pretty good for this town, isn't it? (laughs) You bet. 
Remember when we'd been married two days, they called us the grand old couple of Hollywood? That's right. Our marriage has been successful because we realize that married people have to give up certain things. Remember how I asked you to give up betting on the races? Yeah, and I gave it up. You certainly did. And remember how you asked me to stop buying so many hats? Yep. You gave that up, too. (laughs) I certainly did. Yes, you're a wonderful husband, George. I was lucky to get you. In fact, I, I guess I'm one person who was lucky at cards and lucky in love, too. Really? Yes. Whether it was poker or marriage, I got the pot. Thanks, kid Oh, oh, I didn't mean that the way it sounded I meant that you're a prize Not that you have a pot I see I love you, darling And I'd love you just as much if you didn't have one Thanks again Do you, uh, do you love me as much as I love you? Of course I do Well, I'd like to hear you say Darling, I love you. Okay. Darling, I... Oh, I like to hear those things, you know. <laughs> All right. Darling, you can't I... just take them for granted. <laughs> okay. I Dar- want to hear you say that you love me. <laughs> Darling... Just for a little word. Darling... It means so much to us, then. <laughs> Darling... Yes, <Dunham>, that's... <laughs> Gracie. Yes? Darling, I love you. Ah, oh, now, you see, that wasn't hard, was it? Say it again. Darling, I... like to hear those things, you know. I'll try it again tomorrow. Yes. Oh, good morning, folks. Oh, good morning, Meredith. Meredith, do you realize that George and I have been happily married for 11 years now? 11 years? Mm-hmm. Gosh, have you been married that long, Gracie? Yes, I have, Meredith. 11 years. Half my life. <laughs> Gracie, you were not 11 when you married me. If you if you were under 18, you would have needed your mother's consent. And believe me, that we didn't have. <laughs> Did your mother dislike George, Gracie? Well, I wouldn't say she disliked him. I'd say she sort of despised him. <laughs> the feeling was mutual. <laughs> you, you know that place in the wedding ceremony where the man says, if anyone can show cause why these two should not be married, let him speak now? Yes. Well... Mama got up and filibustered. <laughs> ah, but we've been very, very happy, Meredith. Why don't you get married? Me? <laughs> oh, I guess I will someday if the right girl ever proposes to me. <laughs> it's up to you to do the proposing. Uh, haven't you ever been in love? Oh, yes, George. I had quite a case on a girl once. She played the harp in my orchestra. Fine musician. You liked her, huh? Very much. Her cadenzas were remarkable. <laughs> well, I guess there's nothing like a girl with remarkable cadenzas. Well, what well that's one that you? sings baritone. <laughs> Meredith, hmm? what happened with you and this girl? Well, we used to get in my coupe and drive up on Lookout Mountain. And, well, if I may use an overworked expression, we made beautiful music together. Oh? Well, why did you break up? It just got to be too much work getting that harp in and out of the coupe. <laughs> Meredith, you're a ball of fire. Look, why didn't you drive up on Lookout Mountain without the hop? That was all she could play. Oh, Oh, Meredith, you really should find the girl and propose. 
to show you how wonderful married life is, look at George and me. Eleven years without a single quarrel. Well, we had one little quarrel once, didn't amount to anything. No, I don't believe we've ever quarreled, dear. Well, I think we have, darling. A little no, tiny quarrel. No, precious, we haven't. But I remember it was George, just... we have never quarreled. <laughs> but I remember you fussing at me. I have about... never raised my voice to you, but never. Well, answer me, have I? Well, it... Well, don't you dare talk back to me. <laughs> talk back to you if I want oh, to. Oh, no, you won't. Now apologize. All right, I apologize. <laughs> Admit I was right. You were right, you were right. Oh, you see, Meredith, I was right. Eleven years without a, a single, single quarrel. quarrel. That's, <laughs> That's remarkable. Uh, come in. Hi, Burnses. Well, hello, Meredith. Hi, Bill. Hi. What's well, new? Well, congratulations are in order, Bill. George and I have stayed happily married in Hollywood for eleven years. Well, congratulations, Thanks. Gracie. Eleven years. Mm-hmm. Gracie, let me look at you. You know, it just doesn't seem possible that you've been married that long. And George, let me look at you. <laughs> Only 11 years, huh? <laughs> Never mind, comedian. You're another guy who ought to be thinking seriously of marriage. Who, me? Yeah, he's yeah. right, Bill. You and Meredith should get married. <laughs> you think we'd be happy? <laughs> you know what she meant. Get yourselves wives. Marriage is the healthy, happy, happy state of living. Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> It's really hippie. Yeah. You don't have to be happy. Yeah. Now, suppose Anthony never married Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. Suppose Romeo had never married Juliet. They didn't. Uh, see? And they're all dead. <laughs> Gracie, you're wasting your time. Marriage just doesn't appeal to oh, me. Oh, but Bill, you're so popular. Well, you could marry dozens of girls. Really? Dozens? It's beginning to appeal to me. <laughs> Take it from me, Bill. You'll find one wife makes plenty to support. Well, I guess you're right, George. One wife certainly makes plenty to support you. (laughs) I'm going in the den and read the paper. See you later, comic. Okay, straight man. Oh, Bill. Now you've upset him. If he isn't happy by one o'clock, we'll lose the contest. What contest? Well, George doesn't know it, but we're in the finals of Hollywood's Happy Marriage Contest. Oh, gee, I'm sorry, Gracie. I didn't know. Well, I've just got to get him in a gay mood by one o'clock. Oh, I know. I'll go in and entertain him. Excuse me, Bill. George? What? Want to see a card trick? No. (laughs) Well, wash my hands very carefully. Now. Now you see the ace of spades. Now you don't. Now the ace of spades. Now you don't. Now you see the ace of spades. Wait a minute. Now you don't. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold it. I never did see the ace of spades. <laughs> oh. Well, I haven't learned how to do it with the cards yet. <laughs> this is great. This is great. Wasn't that an amusing trick? Are you happy? No, I'm not happy. Oh. Well, here's a joke I heard on the bus yesterday. A man came home and found his wife sitting in the bathtub with no water in it. So he said, honey, there's no water in the tub. And she said, I know it. <laughs> That's the joke you heard on the bus? Uh-huh. That's the whole joke? Yeah, well, George, you're not laughing. Is that the entire joke? Well, there must have been more, but I had to get off at certain <laughs> Gracie. Are you happy? No, I'm not happy. Oh, George, you're very difficult. I'll, I'll try another card trick. Think of a card. Oh, no, no. Hey, she's hey.
It's Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. that tune you're playing, I thought what a lot of pleasure it's bound to give many people. Well, Bill, On the Oregon Trail is not only pleasant listening, but it must recall for a great many families legends and stories of an important part of our early American scene. Yes, for tales have been passed from generation to generation about how the ox teams plodded through that country of scenic wonder. As you know, you can follow that trail today. If you do, you'll touch places that bear wonderful names. Listen to some of them. Independence Rock, Devil's Gate, Sweetwater River, Wind River Mountains, the Valley of the Bear. Names significant to our American scene. And I can't help thinking, too, that in so many homes today, there's another name that's become a part of our American way of life. Maxwell House, a coffee of true distinction. For in this nation of coffee lovers, Maxwell House is bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand. You see, Maxwell House experts skillfully blend these choice Latin American coffees. Manizales for mellowness. Medellins for richness. Other choice Latin American coffees for vigor... Bucaramanga's for full body. The result is coffee so full-flavored and richly delicious that north, east, south, and west, the name Maxwell House is synonymous with the phrase, good to the last drop. George and I will never win the happy marriage contest. Look at the time, 12.30. That woman will be here at 1 o'clock. Yeah, I know it. And George still isn't happy. When she sees him, the Galens are bound to get the award. I sure wish we could think of some way to cheer him up. Well, think, Meredith, think. Thinking. What was George doing the last time you saw him really happy and enjoying himself? Well, let me see. I guess he was watching that burlesque show he took me to. No, I'm afraid I couldn't do that. The house is too cold. What else does George like to do? Well, he loves to discuss politics. He's always... Politics, of course. A good, intelligent, political discussion will make him happy. Excuse me, Meredith. George? Yes, dear? How do you feel about Coolidge? 
<laughs> Coolidge. Do you think he'll be elected president this year? Uh, don't think he's got a chance. Uh, uh, how about William Jennings Bryan? Well, he's got as good a chance as Coolidge. <laughs> Just hope a Republican doesn't get in again. Time the Democrats had a chance. Yes, they've really been pushed around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about South America? How do you feel about it? I say, leave it where it is. <laughs> yeah, let's not move it. It's heavy. <laughs> now, um, take inflation. How about that? Inflation? Yes. You tell me. Well, I don't think we should keep it a secret just because we invented it first. <laughs> we should share it with all the United Nations. That's the spirit. Yeah. And now, now let's take Congress. The meeting, you know. I know, I know. I got a meeting. Yes. Some people want a long Congress, and some people want a short Congress. And you? Well, a lot of people are against the short Congress, but I say if Mr. LaGuardia wants to run, his size shouldn't keep him out. Fair enough Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, take the poll tax I'm against it You are? Oh, yeah That's interesting We're all Americans Why should people pay a special tax Because they came from Poland? (laughs) Good idea Yeah Now, what shall I take next? A powder right out that door (laughs) This uh, talk about politics hasn't made you happy? No. Why not? I'm worried about Coolidge's chances. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Now, run along and let me brood about it. Oh, yes, dear. Oh, poor Cal. <laughs> well, did it make him happy, Gracie? No, and I can't understand it. He hangs on Gabriel Heater's every word, and I'm much more attractive. Oh, hey, excuse me, Meredith. Good day, Missy Burns. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Postman. I detect a note of sadness in your voice, and you're usually gay and carefree like me. Well, I have a problem. My husband is unhappy, and we're ended in the happy marriage contest. Oh, is there a happy marriage contest? Yeah, didn't you and your wife enter? Uh. (laughs) Oh, I forgot. I guess your marriage would never win a prize. Not unless I entered my wife in the golden gloves. Does she still strike you? Mrs. Burns, 20 years ago, I asked for her hand, and she's been giving it to me ever since. Well, into each life, some rain must fall. Yes, but my wife shouldn't happen even in California. (laughs) I guess you and I are both married to cloudbursts. Oh, no, George isn't that bad. He's just an occasional drip. Well, compared to me, your husband should be as happy as a lark Mm, Say, that's an idea Maybe if you tell George how miserable you are He'll see how much reason he has to be happy Bring him on, I'll fill his little heart with joy And then my wife hit me with the electric iron, tied my hands and feet, and flung me down the basement where I lay for four days. Well, goodbye, Mr. Burns. Remember, keep smiling. Well, George, how do you feel now? Are you happy? Happy? How can I be happy when that poor little man is so miserable? But, dear... Here. 
He made me feel terrible. I'm going in a den. again and make them happy. Yeah, and that woman will be here in 15 minutes. Yeah, let's see now. I know how Clara Bagley made her husband happy recently, but I wouldn't have time for that. What did she do? She had a baby. <laughs> no, I guess that's impractical. It would be a lot easier to make George happy if he wasn't the worrying type. Meredith, I believe you've got it. He'll be much happier if I do all the worrying for both of us. He sure ought to be. Well, I'll stop his worries right now. George? What? From now on, I don't want you to do any worrying. Well, fine. I'll do it for both of us. Good. So, don't worry about the postman. Don't worry about your electric razor. Don't worry about... Wait a minute. About... Wait a minute. What, uh, what happened to my electric razor? Oh, it got kind of clogged up when I peeled the carrots with it. <laughs> you peeled carrots with my electric razor? Don't the worry about... Don't that I just worry got? about... Don't worry. From now on, I'm worrying about everything. The fender on the car, too. Fender on the car? Yeah, but I, I sort of ran into the rear end of Mr. Connor's milk truck. Oh, no. Yeah, but don't you worry about it. I'm handling all the worrying. Now, you happy? No, I'm not happy. Still brooding about Coolidge, Yeah, huh? about Coolidge. Now, get out of here. <laughs> well, Meredith, that... Oh, hello, Bill. Hi, Gracie. I came back to see if you'd won the happy marriage contest. Well, not yet, and we haven't a chance unless George cheers up. Oh, the little man is still unhappy, oh, huh? Oh, you ought to see him. He doesn't look like himself. And you're complaining? <laughs> what can I do? That woman will be here to observe us in five minutes. Well, you just leave him to me, Gracie. I've got a letter here that ought to do the trick. Oh, good, Bill. He's right in there in the den. Hello, George, old man. Hello, Bill. Oh, come on, George. Cheer up. Wait till you hear this letter from the sponsor. Wait till you hear the nice thing he said about you. About me? Mm-hmm. From the sponsor? Yeah. Well, read it, Bill. What does he say? Well, I'll read some excerpts, huh? Good, good. Now, get this. <clears throat> the Maxwell House coffee people are proud and happy to have as their star a man whose charm and talent are on a par with the quality of their product. Wow. Now, that really means something, sure. because Maxwell House coffee is tops. I know. Reach some more. It's appetizing, rich, full-bodied, and mellow. Read uh, the letter. Reach some more. Maxwell House's coffee at its full-flavored best. Good to the last drop. Reach some That's more. That's why more people buy and enjoy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. The letter, Bill. What else does the sponsor say? Well, now, get this closing. Yes. And it is our fervent hope that this talented and brilliant man will still be with us five, ten, or even twenty years from now. Boy. Because it has indeed been a pleasure to sponsor radio's brightest personality, Bill Goodwin. <laughs> Bill Goodwin. Yes. Let me see where it says that. Right here. <laughs> I thought you said the sponsor said something nice about me. Well, I was coming to that, Joe. P.S. Tell Gracie's husband we liked his Christmas card. <laughs> well, that's nice. Wasn't that a nice thing for him to say? Aren't you thrilled? I'm a mass of quivering goose flesh. Well, then don't act so miserable. Smile. Be happy. What have I got to be happy about? What have you got? Well, look at you. You've got a... Well, you've got a... Boy, you've got a right to be miserable. Bill, did you fix it? Is he any happier? Well, I'm afraid not, Gracie. We were going along fine till the subject of George Burns came up. Now we're both depressed. I'm sorry. <laughs> He was a big help. We've got two minutes to go. What can we do, Meredith? You know, Gracie, I might be able to make George happy. Yeah, how? 
Well, I'm a musician, and music hath charms. It hath? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say sure. Suppose I take my flute in there and play him a solo. Oh, wonderful. Shall I play him something by Chopin or something by Hooperdink? <laughs> oh, Hooperdink, by all means. A man who was willing to live with that name must have been happy. <laughs> Chopin sounds awfully pretty on a flute. Oh, play Hooperdink. Okay, Gracie. Hooperdink it is. <laughs> you wait right here. Well, what are you on? Ouch! I knew I should have played Chopin. It's too late now. Here comes the woman up the walk. Well, maybe I can bluff this thing through if she doesn't see George. <laughs> Come in. Hello, Mrs. Bird. <laughs> Hello. Is uh, this your husband? Oh, no, no. My husband, my happy husband is in bed. In bed? Yes, he's so happy he laughed himself sick. <laughs> peace in this house. Stop all this cackling. Now, quiet. So this is Laughing Boy. <laughs> Who's this old bat? Doesn't he say the funniest things? <laughs> That's my happy husband. <laughs> yeah, he's a scream. Well, on behalf of my newspaper, here's the award for being the happiest couple in Hollywood. Are uh, you, you giving it to us? I've got to. But I, I thought you'd give it to the Galens. I'm not going to chase him to Reno just for that. Goodbye. Join us again next week when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Meredith Wilson and his orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Goodwin. Until next Thursday, then, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's number one brand of coffee, always good to the last drop. Gracie, I'm sorry I lost my temper. I guess we really are the happiest couple in Hollywood. Well, sure we are. And that's because you're the boss and I do whatever you say. Oh, I'm not the boss. Oh, yes, you are, dear. Oh, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, really, I'm... George, I'm running this house, and when I say you're the boss, you're the boss. <laughs> I lost my head. Just call me bossy. Oh, that's good. Good night. <laughs> Stay tuned to this station because Dinosaur's Open House is coming on in just a second. Dinah's special guest tonight is Jack Carson. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, followed by Fibra McGee and Molly. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.